Holy shit, guys, I am back. Um, it's definitely been a long time since I've uploaded. Um, my last episode was basically me taking a break, um, for the loss of the baby. Um, I still have struggles with that, um, but a lot has actually happened in between. So before I hop into our case tonight, well, well, afternoon, morning, wherever you guys listen to me at, whatever time, wherever you're at, whenever you listen. Um, so let me give you a rundown a little bit. So after the loss of the baby, I ended up leaving um, a basically a long relationship since I was 18 and things happened and I just couldn't deal with you know, my kids is dad anymore. Um, I ended up leaving. I like packed our kids up and I moved back in with my mom, um, temporarily. Um, and that was hard. It was a hard change just to like get used to it, but it's okay because eventually shortly after I started talking to an old person who I, um, talked to as a kid and we kind of just rekindled things and I've been dating him for almost eight months now. Um, so if you hear any screaming in the game, I mean in the background, he's, he's a gamer and he games with his friends. So I think they're playing 2k, but, um, so a lot of stuff has happened like with that. So mentally I was not ready to come back and podcast because I didn't know I didn't know if I was ever going to pick it back up again. Um, and then I was sitting because I'm at my boyfriend's for the weekend. My kids are at their dad's. And I said, you know what? Let me pick up podcasting back up again. Um, I'm using my phone because I don't have my microphone. So if it's terrible, I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, so I just figured we'd just pick it back up. I'm going to do a... I won't say light case because it's a murder case and there's nothing ever light about a murder case. But where I am at, it is very close and I'm eventually going, probably tomorrow since I'm in town until Monday, I'm going to take a field trip tomorrow and I'm going to see if I can find this place. But, um, so yeah, a lot's happened. D being divorced is great. Um, my divorce is finally finalized January 19th of 2023. I hope your guys's year has gone a little bit. 2022 has gone well for you and I hope it continue to be good as 2023. And considering that we are almost at the end of April, it is crazy. It'll be Christmas before we all know it. Um but yeah, basically just getting into the settling of things and how everything works and you know, trying to be civil for my children, and then I have to have one with their dad, and it's just, it's just very impossible sometimes. But, um, I think that's really all I have to update you guys on. Um, I am slowly getting back into it, podcasting, just to make it easier. That door just opened and it just freaked me out a little bit. And also, if you hear kids screaming, it's because these kids don't give a fuck and they are loud for no reason. Um, 
But let's hop into our case. Um, the case we're going to be doing is Barbara Mangus. I believe I pronounced that right. And I decided I just really Googled some random cases. And I had my notebook and I figured, well, might as well just podcast because why not? So my door just, this door just shut once again. Um... This actually happened in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. It's about an hour away from Pittsburgh and like four and a half if you take a Greyhound bus from Johnstown to Harrisburg. Uh, currently, I'm in Johnstown. I want to move back. God only knows why because I have no idea why I want to come back, but I do. I kind of miss it. It's nice. I lived here since the eighth grade. Um, but that's the case we're going to be doing, and it happened in 1974, and I was under the impression that it was still going to be solved, and it wasn't solved. Like, this is still an unsolved case, which is crazy. Okay, so Barbara disappeared, like I said, in the early um, morning hours of December 15th, but she, her body was not found f until, like, a week and a half later, um, on December 20th, and she was found, let me see, I wrote it down, I'm trying not to look at my notes, okay, yeah, so I found, like, she was found on December 20th, but December 31st, but I believe it was December 20th, and she was found by a, um, hunter, and we're gonna get into all of that nitty-gritty stuff. So she ended up leaving um, this holiday party, and it was this place called This Is It. And, okay, they say 16, but different. 15, 16 days had ended up passing, and she was eventually, like I said, discovered by a hunter near the Hickson Run Dam. And I read in an article that he didn't put it down in here that... You wouldn't know where to go unless you were in the woods and you were like some type of hunter who like hunted things where you would basically know where to go and they just stumbled upon her body. Okay, I see where I wrote some different stuff. So yes, she was reported, she was missing December 14th, 15th and it wasn't into the papers until December 20th. I was going to say, I knew I saw that somewhere. So Barbara had attended the party with her husband, Walter, but they ended up leaving somewhere around like 1230 in the morning or 1245 in the morning after the couple had had an argument. Now, guys, we all know as true crime junkies or like my favorite podcast right now, um, true crime people, when there is an argument, we always know who the first suspect is going to be. And it's going to be the husband or the boyfriend or the best friend, whoever was last seen arguing with the victim. Now, I don't know if they talked to Walter. I, yes, they did talk to Walter, but I don't think anything came to it. So they had an argument, according to the tri Tribune Democrat Archives. At this time, her husband, Walter, had actually told police that he left the party an hour later after the band stopped playing. Um, Barbara reportedly 
So, and that's all I guess they talked to Walter. That was it. I don't think they did any investigation further in Walter, but we can definitely check it out. Because I didn't really look into Walter all like that, like I normally did. I just wanted to get something good for you guys. So, like I said, she reportedly left her mom's car at the holiday party. Holiday party. This is it. And then she walked to the couple's um, West End home, which, coinkydink, I'm staying in the West End. If you don't know Johnstown, you don't know where I'm at, so that's good, but it's still in Pennsylvania. Um, so that's why I said tomorrow I'm going to take a little field trip, because I know exactly where these places are. Um, now, I'm going to swap over to my phone. I'll make sure it's still recording. Now, po um, not police. Give me one minute. Okay. So they think, um, like I said, yep, she had the disagreement. She left her mom's car and she decided to walk home to the West End, which was about four and a half miles away. Oh my God. Well, I guess we're just going to have Rod Wave playing in the damn background. So she would have to walk around or walk down to Frankstown Road across Johnstown into the West End. She lived near she lived near Garfield Junior High School, which um I guess they changed that name, I'm not sure because in the West End there's no no, I mean, it'd be, that's downtown. There's no high school. There's a middle school, so I don't know. But this was back then. And she lived on, she lived along um, Corinne Avenue. And she was apparently never seen again by anybody who was identified. Now, some people said they saw her walking on the Roosevelt Boulevard um, and into Cambria County down Broad Street, maybe as far as Fairview, um, Fairfield Avenue, which, huh, once again, that's very close to me. I walked my boyfriend's dog literally down Garfield, um, down Garfield every day. I'm going to take him probably out after this. Um, but the police obviously investigated this and they established that indeed she did walk, um, that distance within two blocks of her home. They said initially they, you know, they doubted that she could have gone that far and they thought she was picked up somewhere. But the state police and the city police pretty much felt sh very strongly that that's what happened. Um, that she got that far, but then she kind of just disappeared and nobody knew why. And they didn't know what happened to Barbara. Okay, yep, like I said, her story was not reported into the news until December 20th, which was a Friday, and she, um, after she was disappearing that early Sunday, her body wasn't found 15 days later, see, and I've already gone over where that. For a while, police, they did end up wanting to talk to a couple of men who had been eating at a place called Act 3, 
across from the public safety building on Market Street in downtown Johnstown. And somebody thought they saw Barbara there with these men, but that was never confirmed. And they never decided to go talk to these men. And they discounted that story. So nothing really came to any of that. Other than that, there hasn't really been much seen or heard. And this thing, this case definitely still remains a mystery. It still remains like, where the fuck did Barbara go? Nobody knows. At this point, finding those who were closest to her... That was challenging. Some lived outside the area while others were already deceased. Um, a man named John, Jim McMillan is neither. He and Barbara were first cousins as his father and Barbara's father were brothers. Though she was two years was two years his elder and they weren't especially close. He remembers the entire um, McMillan family being rattled when Barbara's husband, Walter Jr., reported her missing. The family sort of knew that something was fishy, and I guess um, Jim's dad, he took, or her dad, somebody's dad took things pretty hard, McMillan said. They talked to Barbara's brother, Tom, and Tommy told him that, oh my God, I'm sorry. Hold on. Talked to his her brother Tommy, and Tommy told Jim. He asked him one day, "Who do you think did it?" And like said, basically, "Do you know who did it?" Because he was the one who was mainly working with the police. And I guess he gave Jim some names, but this Jim uh, is a butthole, and he refuses to. Say the names. If you ask me, I honestly think her fucking husband did it. That's just me. Now, in addition to their family relation with the McMillans and her family, it, they um, also shared an employer. Both of them, as well as McMillan's father, worked for the Rod and Wire Mill Division in the Bethlehem Steel Corp. Through McMillan, I'm sorry, not through. Though McMillan said that he himself was not at at that fateful company Christmas party in 1974, one of his friends that I guess Jim's dad worked with all the time, I guess his son, found her during hunting season, McMillan said. And apparently, his dad took it the hardest because that was his niece and he knew her pretty well. Now here are some key points that we have to 
obviously we're just going to go through. Um, or not even we're going to go on. That people agree, I guess, a part of the family. So Barbara and Walter were both at the Christmas party. At the top of Frankstown Road, or Frankstown Road Hill on Saturday, December 14th, 1947. 1974. She had an argument with him and sometime left after midnight on December 15th. Shortly after, she was apparently speaking to two men from that restaurant. And then she was believed to be left alone. She left alone. Like, she didn't go with these guys, but we don't know. Okay? Police said that witnesses placed Barbara on foot at multiple stops between the diner and her home on Corinth Avenue. One of the witnesses alleged to have seen her just a few blocks from her home. Hours later on Sunday, Barbara's husband then reported her missing. Her body was discovered two weeks later on New Year's Eve near a dirt road out, just outside of the city limits. Um, anybody who listens to my podcast, um, if you know the area of Johnstown, you know it is a very, very, very small um, town. It's not big. I think we got like the West End, we got Prospect, we got Moxham, we got Roxbury, you got Oakhurst, you got Coopersdale. And I think that pretty much sums up, like, Johnstown. And then, like, if you go above the hill, oh, and Upper Yoder or Lower Yoder, somewhere, one of the two. Um, if you go up there, you kind of go into Westmont. Like, yes, it's still in Johnstown, but it's not, like, Johnstown's small. Like, okay. Anyway, the man who found her, we said, was a hunter. And he was the son of a fellow Bethlehem, Bethlehem Steel employee. Um, these types of cases are considered open, but some are inactive by Pennsylvania State Police. Still, some are being re reviewed occasionally by members called a unit of CIA, which is a criminal investigative assessment. And they say... The RCIA... Unit member can take a case like this and basically spend all his time on a cold case because obviously this is a cold case because it's never been solved. There's been no leads. There's been nothing. As opposed to having someone who has been here to 25 or 30 cases um, that other person is working on plus this. All right. Um... Now, let's see. Mm, what do I want to put on this? Okay. So we covered that people saw her. Oh, she was found. I didn't put, I didn't cover this part. I don't know why I forgot.
Um, 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 this case, even though it's been like a long time, um, it's very unusual, unsettling, and far thus very unusual. Um, a lot of some people believe that maybe there's still a chance that someone's gonna come forward, or someone has knowledge of this case, or you know maybe they'll just catch the person. I don't know, but. Now, a man, um, a man named Ron Esposit, he's in no relation to Barbara. Um, he said, like, I wasn't a friend, I wasn't acquaint, or even a, an acquaintance. Um, still, he remembers her murder, and it's something that stayed with him nearly half a century later. And he said he's got a good memory, and he can remember things back to when he was seven years old, and seven years old, and nobody can fool him. And he said, in matter of fact, people are afraid of what he can actually remember. I'm just making sure I'm not rereading the same one. Yeah, strangulation. But since I, like I said, since I live so close to, not even live because I don't live up here. Since I'm so close to Garfield, um, I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to see. I don't know where her exact address is, but I'm, we can find out. Um, her, she was fully clothed except for the coat. And there was blood on the victim's head. Okay, and I can read you the article. But, um... We've already done that. So, yeah, I don't know. Oh, another report. Um, this one is from the Tyrone Daily Herald. Noted that her body was discovered along a deep rutted dirt road, accessed only by a um, by only four wheel drive vehicles. The condition of this trail is um, trail, and it's very remote. Access points to the end of the valley in Johnstown's minor historic district, which I don't know where that's at, and it lend leads or lends itself to some natural theories about people. Or about who had the type of vehicle to drive down this road. And who had the knowledge of this roadway's existence. Okay. I mean, yeah, I've lived in Johnstown. And like this says, it's really rustic out here. If you're not from the area and you don't know it exists. And he, they said, I even have people who live in Johnstown and don't even know this road is here. I'm one of them people. And I used to run these streets, guys. Okay, I mean, I think that is it. And then we're actually, because I like you guys so much, we're going to do a two for one. But that is the case of Barbara. Um, 
still, still never found her killer. If you hear my boyfriend's music, because that's a little crazy, if you ask me, but, you know, we're here. We're here for it. Alright, I didn't write anything down on this one. This one was just a spark of the moment. Oh, and I have some crazy news to tell you guys then. I mean, I've already put a lot into you guys, but this... Okay, so this is in 1978, and this is about a woman named Maxine Andrews. Police believe Maxine Ellen Andrews was killed by a lone gunman in a vehicle at 9.30 p.m. on November 6, 1978, outside Aces Lounge in Johnstown's Cambria City neighborhood. Aces Lounge must not be it, because it's... I don't know what that is. So... News reports at the time indicate that Andrews arrived at an apartment above Aces between 6 and 7 p.m. And later, she and a 20-year-old woman were preparing to leave when a man eventually approached their vehicle from behind. The name of this other woman who was in the driver's seat was spelled multiple ways in news accounts it was either jerry or jerry so j jerry with a j-e-r-r-y or jerry with a j-e-r-r-i and i'm not gonna even pronounce his last name because it he if from anything he sounds like it's a german it's the schwarzenstruver and officer at the time said that jared he was in or not jared Jerry was in the process of backing up when um, she saw a man with a gun, right? And she dove down onto Andrew's lap, so Maxine's lap, and then she heard a gunshot, and she believed to have heard another gunshot. And um, subsequently, interview with police... The woman reported only seeing, um, uh, reportedly seeing that she only saw a gun and not a man. So the fucking gun, first off, was not just floating. I don't see how you see a gun, but you don't see a man. I don't get that. Uh, Maxine, who was in the passenger seat, she was actually pronounced dead, unfortunately, at the scene at 9.55 p.m., with a single slug having struck her in her neck and severing her spinal cord. And then in 2020, so this case, I don't understand. This case is from 1978. That's literally four years before Barbara was killed. Right? Um, in an interview on July of 2020... Her brother told Rev. Clarence J. Washington 
he told that the Tribune Democrat that he heard that his he had heard that his sister was apparently um, in a love triangle or some type of sexual orientation were potential moves motives for a murder. And that's basically all. So I don't know if it was still solved. Let's check that out real quick. Maxine Andrews. All right, so let's see. Oh, there's actually videos on this. Her siblings did some theories of why she thinks she was, um, murdered, which is sad. I can do it. I, I... Okay. Okay, and she was from Hornerstown, and she was 29. That's sad. She was only 29 years old. And they just really want to know if it was Sterling. Um. I guess her brother just really wants her to know. Yeah. Her brother just wants to know if they've actually thoroughly investigated or what stopped the investigation. And they want to know basically if they ran into something that odd that odd to them as police investigators or just because something happened and they spelled this per Jerry person with a G and that's just crazy um okay as in most homicide investigations police are willing to provide a few details they you know they will never if you've ever seen law and order they will never share everything um with the fucking zodiac oh my god i cannot believe speaking of the zodiac killer um we caught him i think it was him crazy um so they responded um with several questions um the caliber of the weapon used the number of shots fired the amount of wounds um suffered sergeant Corey adams of the johnstown police department had the same answer and that was quote that's going to be something i can't give you and there are several unknowns even for police for instance that maxine said that the officers who compiled not adams i'm um, not maxine her brother who compiled the original report didn't know who called in about the shooting. So that's a little suspicious. 
it doesn't actually list a complainant, and the actual complainant's name is listed as unknown caller, um, her brother said. It says that there were people interviewed on scene that night, but it doesn't list who was the actual 911 caller. She heard shots, and then she found Maxine. What happened from that point is something that scarred on his um, memory. He was attending Lock Haven University at this time, and he was given news by his father over the telephone. They couldn't identify her next of kin because her last name was Andrews, um, her brother said. her Their mom's, their mother's name because she had got married to the dad and Washington and Maxine lived with their grandmother who was a chase so rightfully that they didn't know who she was related to so you don't go with the story unless you can identify next of kin and you tell them so their mom was basically watching the news and then she had to find out through the news that her daughter was killed while she's sitting on the couch she collapses and her dad you know calms her down revives her, re, kind of like calms her down, and it's like, it's gonna, we're going to figure out it's going to be okay. <coughs> they call their son. They're two hours away. <coughs> so they're two hours away from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, depending on where, for me, it's like where I'm at right now, it's an hour and 18 minutes. Their sister was four hours away, and she was... In Virginia. So they didn't get home until the next day. And everything was very emotional and anger at everything because their sister was just killed. You know, splattered. It's on the news. And then they, like, her, her mom had to find out through the news. So, of course, like, she almost died. Like, she almost, like, lost it. Um, and apparently, um, I guess they've never found anything else out. It says, um, yeah, I cannot find anything. But he says, like, talking about her bringing up her memory is nice. And Maxine it just wasn't losing a sister. He lost her, his best friend. Um, they played games, and... It was always fours against twelves. Maxine was the oldest, and her birthday was October 4th. And he was the youngest, and his birthday was January 4th. And his brother had a birthday May 10th, and the other sister had a birthday of January 12th. Um, but that is basically it. So the evidence basically um, dried up. Um, as physical evidence came, uh, in time the leads dried up, physical evidence deteriorates, and individuals who ha may have critical information could have just died. Which, we hate that. But. Well, here's one that's going to rock our world. However... Movement on Maxine Ellen Andrews' case for the first time in years has been reactive, reactivated by the city police. It's about time. Adams, so her brother, who filed, 
who weeks ago just filed homicide charges against a man named Christopher George Rowe for the 2016 killing um, Kaylee Renee Rodell said he's in the process of going over the files and his next step is to re-examine the um, physical evidence. I don't know what this has to do with her brother's case, but or his sister's case, but they say at this point it has turned back into an active investigation, Adam said. The reason for that, oh, we're going to find out. The reason for that being is someone came forth about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago with information, and they wanted to talk about her murder. Holy shit. Um, until, um, until that point, it was about to get as cold as it can get. Oh, damn. That is crazy. Oh, she was really pretty. So, guys, that is crazy. So Let me tell you guys some other stuff. Because it's crazy. Really crazy. So, um, when I was pregnant with my second son, Caden... I worked with this girl at Walmart because that's where I worked for two years until they fired me when I got a full-time job. She was pregnant with her son. And I'm going to read you this article because I, the last time I was up here, I saw it and I said, holy shit, I know this girl. And I was like, whoa. I mean, I didn't want to geek out. like, Not even like really geek out about it. Because it's not... It's, it's nowhere funny. And I was... I mean... Me, personally, like, it, it's fucking when it's sick. It's heartbreaking. But I was like, I've never knew of somebody who I've been, like, literally in contact with who killed somebody. The girl I worked with at Walmart... It's her and the baby's dad. Her name is Brianna L. Witten. She's charged with one count of murder and one count of endangering a welfare of a child. And I'm going to tell you, this case, this happened back in November of 2018. I didn't even have my son yet. We were pregnant at the same time. She was just further along than I was. On March 20th, 2023, Brianna was arrested and charged with the connection of death of her four-week-old infant son. This a death had occurred, like I said, November of 2018. It was, this case, for some reason, the police never closed it and it was an ongoing investigation. And it now resulted to both Brianna, which is the mother, and Corey Robbins, which is the father, were being charged with the murder and endangering the welfare of the child. And I'm just going to give you a, like, four, a, not even, like, a four, four, one, one. I'm going to give you a thing that she told people at work because she 
didn't come back to work, but we there were people outside of work who talked to her and she said, this is what happened. And I'm going to tell y'all right now, uh, we don't know what happened, but I'm going to tell you what she told everybody. Oops. Okay. So, um, according to criminal complaint affidavits filed against each suspect by the Harrisburg Police, which is where I live. I live down in Harrisburg. Brianna and Corey, they brought their four-week-old son to Holy Spirit Hospital at about 11.45 in the morning on November 5th in 2018. Holy Spirit, I know exactly where that's at. The hospital, I gave birth to my first son there. I will never do it again. And that hospital is literally walking distance from my house. Okay. We're just going to put that out there. Is this still recording? Um. Uh, hold on. It says it's still recording. This episode was basically... Okay, I think I'm still back, but I'm not sure. Oh, fuck, because it just, like, it says recording, but it's not running the time, so I'm not... I'm not sure. So, they bring the baby in November 5th. The medical personnel at the hospital, they quickly notice that the child is unresponsive. And they're attempting to save this child's life. Um, but unfortunately, they were unsuccessful, according to the police. And baby Jaden, because that's his name, baby Jaden was pronounced dead at 12.05 p.m. Um, much of pain. And they, you know, they obviously separate the parents. I was making sure my thing's recording, so I'm hoping this goes through. Um, they interview Brianna. They interview Corey. They allegedly claim that they found the baby unresponsive in his bassinet that morning. They both state. Police then return to their home on Derry Street. Um, oh, I'm sorry. The couple... Police later returned the couple, so Brianna and Corey, to their home on Derry Street um, to reenact their discovery of the baby. During both interviews, um, neither of the, neither one of them showed any fucking remorse. They didn't show any... I wouldn't even say remorse. They didn't show any emotion. Like, if one of my kids died, I mean, you're just going to have to, like, kill me because there goes my heart, right? So the police say, like, they didn't show anything anything later that night um cory the baby's father he eventually for some reason he called police and he said um he called them and said i want another interview by this time they're on their third interview um so they're like yep all right cool maybe we're gonna get something maybe something's gonna happen so they bring cory in Corey comes in and 
This is where he tells police that him and Brianna had lied. In the two previous interviews that they did. And he now wants to tell the truth. I don't know why. Guilty conscience. I'm not sure. So this is what that's what the police are claiming. So in the third interview, Corey claims that he laid down with the baby on the futon in the apartment. And he slept with him for like about three to four hours. Now, don't get me wrong. We all know you cannot, you should not co-sleep with a infant. I'm not, we've all done it. I mean, I've co-slept with my kids when they were little, but I also am a light sleeper. That's, but that's what he says. He says he fell asleep with Jaden for three to four hours. And Brianna eventually like woke him up. And she said, when she woke him up, she said, something is wrong with the baby. And then that he was just unresponsive. And this is what, according to what police are saying. In fucking Brianna's interview, she allegedly told police that um, her and Corey had made that story up about finding the baby in the bassinet when they drove to the hospital. She said she actually found the baby unresponsive while he was laying with Corey, the dad. Brianna allegedly told police that um, the baby was fussy every night. Um, bitch, he's four weeks old. Okay. And the morning, um, and that the morning was the first time Corey had actually um, had to do everything for the child. I don't know where she was. Um, I don't know if she said she wasn't home. Um, but she said, Corey basically did it all himself. And I think because when she told us at Walmart, she pinpointed everything on her baby dad. She said, he, she, like, he was the one who did all this. And we were like, oh, shit. I remember walking in that day and they were like, did you heaven? Did you hear? And I was like, no, what? And they were like, Brianna's son is dead. And I was pregnant. I said, what? And they were like, my son was like, I need good news. I need like happy news right now and they're touching my stomach I'm like what the fuck so she then tells the police that the baby must have suffocated I'm sorry I was making sure my thing was still doing it and I got a text so she told the police baby must have baby must have suffocated when Corey rolled over on him while they slept the complaint um, she stated um, Brianna admitted that she did not attempt CPR because she, quote, knew in her mind the baby was already dead. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't give a fuck if I walked into my house or if I was at my house or wherever I was and my son was not breathing or Somebody that I knew was not breathing. I don't know how to do CPR. I'm not CPR certified. I'm not going to lie to you about that. I just like dropped my phone. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. He's going to kill me. Um, I'm not CPR. CPR certified. Oh, my God. Okay. Give me one second.
Now, I had to get a paper towel because I literally spilled my Red Bull. Hopefully he's not mad. He should be fine. And then I'm gonna go, I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do. But, okay, anyway. So, he, wait, where was I? Um, okay, yep, so, I, like I said, not CPR certified, I'm not going to sit here, but I mean, I would call the police, but like, listen, I think something's happening with my, my child's unresponsive, I don't do CPR, could you help me? So, and, like I said, her thing, her claims was, she didn't do CPR because she knew in her mind that her child was already dead, that makes no fucking sense, and I'm going to tell you right now, this bitch and her baby dad, they were on the Steve Wilco show because he accused her of cheating. And <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, so yeah, they were on the Steve Wilco shows and now they're in jail for fucking murder. Anyway, so the autopsy of baby Jaden was performed on November 6th where the baby died due to complications from asphyxiation, and the manner of death was, first, it was ruled as undetermined. Pending the result of a test result from the materials sent out for the lab to be analyzed. Once the test results came back, um, the Dolphin County's corner office, corner office then ruled that the baby's, it was not no longer undetermined, it was now ruled a homicide, and the autopsy autopsy I don't know why I said like that autopsy the autopsy found bruising on the baby's scalp um so basically consistent with somebody pushing down on his head they also found a um petechial I think I pronounced it right petechia petechial hemorrhages um on the baby's heart lungs and liver and it indicated that the baby was pressed downwards and he was unable to breathe according to the stuff um the baby also had um baby Jaden also had signs of previous um liver injuries that did not result in his death so meaning that this wasn't the first time that he was subjected to abuse which is fucking heartbreaking because he was four weeks old. What could he do to you? Um, the coroner also said that the baby had other injuries that a rollover would not explain. Police um, said in the complaint. Brianna and Corey were both arraigned and um, arraigned on the charges. And they are both being held without bail at the Dolphin County Prison while they await their preliminary um, hearings. According to the court records, Brianna's preliminary hearing was scheduled for March 30th of this year, while Corey's was scheduled to take place April 6th um, of this year as well. And I've been looking and I have not seen anything about it yet.
this bitch, okay, she went over, not even went over, so uh, she told us, like, when a coworker went to go visit her, she said that the baby was very, um, he felt very light, and, like, he, it was cold, and he had, like, this thin, 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 um, thin onesie on, and it was raining, like I said, and the co- our coworker was like, like, we're sitting in our car, like, it's cold, like, what the fuck? And I guess, like, they were talking about some stuff, and, like, Corey, like, I guess, from what she told this other coworker, like, they weren't, he wasn't a great guy, like, I don't, I don't know, um, and he didn't help, and she was trying to get out, um, and I believe she told somebody that he, like, was the one who beat the baby, um, but we obviously don't know. They're obviously, like, if you were there, like, and you didn't stop anything, like, you're just as guilty, like, in my opinion. Well, I Red Bull dried pretty quickly. Um, so that's basically, basically what happened. So you got, like, two cases, and then I got this one that I'm keeping an eye out for sure on. Um, but this bitch went and had a whole other child, she had a little girl, um, and I just don't, I just don't understand it, like, you killed your first child, you lost that right to be a parent when you fucking murdered him, but that's just me, um, anyway guys, um, that's all for this podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at Just a Girl and True Crime. You can also send me a Gmail that I have to set up on this phone after I got a new phone after I left. I just didn't set it up. So you can send me an email at Just a Girl and True Crime at gmail.com. You can also like my YouTube channel at, you already know, Just a Girl and True Crime. You can also follow and join the Facebook page at Just a Girl in True Crime. Remember, spread love, not hate. And I will be talking to you guys in a couple days.